Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. Amen. We are beginning a one-time series today called, and I love this, Unstoppable. Come on, say it out loud. Unstoppable. Unstoppable. Discouraging your enemy through your tenacity. I told uh, some folks that I met for the very first time, we have a whole bunch of first-time guests here. We're so honored to have you in the house. I told a family back there, I said, oh, man, the pastor here is a little suspect, but the people are nice. And that is true. No question about it. You guys make up for me. And, and I'm very grateful about it. I'm not a perfect pastor, and I want everybody in the house to know that. Colton knows that. I'm not a perfect pastor, but I am, listen to me closely, a pastor that won't quit. That's one thing I got down. I will not quit. I've just been geared that way ever since we went, before I even knew the Lord. I just didn't have quitting sense in me. And ever since I've been born again uh, 41 years ago uh, as an alcoholic checking IDs at a bar all those years ago, I just won't quit. Now, I'm a, I'm, I'm a fisherman. This is what I do for a hobby. How many know Jesus loves fishermen? Picked a bunch to be on his team, and so he loves fishermen. I'm a, I, I go fishing uh, in the ocean. That's my favorite fishing. I, I fish for shark. There's not a lot of shark here in the lakes. Everybody said amen to that, right? Uh, I, although I may, well, here is what I'm thinking about doing. I'm thinking about bringing some from the ocean, stocking here some of the lake system just, you know, for my enjoyment, pleasure. And I don't want to hear anything about your children's safety. Come on, this world is not about you. <laughs> so I fish for shark. And in doing so, sometimes when you fish for shark, you know, I'll take the, the bait way out in the ocean with my kayak, and then I'll uh, come back and fish from the shore. But in doing so, I'm fishing for the shark uh, many times, and I've seen this over and over and over again, many times I'll catch big, giant stingray. And I'm telling you right now, no one wants to do that. that, that that's, as a fisherman, ocean fisherman, that's considered the scourge of the, of the ocean. I mean, that, that just, you don't want to just waste your time. Just, I mean, I've literally caught some stingray that are as large as tires. I mean, tractor tires, huge. And what happens is when they get in close, they bury themselves in the sand. And then when you try to get them in from there, it's so hard because of their body type, you're pulling against not only their body type, but the displacement of the water against them is very, very difficult, particularly with the giant stingrays. And they can take sometimes 45 minutes, hour, hour and a half to bring these in, and no one cares, no one wants them. They are a waste of time. When I, when I get them on, my wife is always telling me, just cut the line. 
just cut it, you wasted time, just cut the line, you want to catch real fish, just cut the line. But I can't, even though I don't want to catch these stupid things, I just can't, something in me cannot cut the line. Why, Kevin? Because I refuse to quit. I don't know how, and when you're catching those things, you're, I mean, it's, your biceps are burning, lactic acid overload. I remember one time I was out at night by myself. I normally fish for shark by myself because no one likes me. <laughs> I know. And so I'm fishing, and, and, and I, had a, I got on a huge stingray. I mean, you know, one of the, this big around, just huge. And it, I fought it, fought it. Was in the middle of the night, no one was there. I fought it, fought it. And I'm t- saying to myself, oh, this is such a waste of time. But I don't know how to quit. <laughs> and so I came, it took me an hour and a half to bring this godforsaken creature in. <laughs> and then finally, when I finally dragged him up on the shore, your pastor has so many issues to my Illinois family that just moved here. I, you just pray for me. I have issues. I looked at the giant stingray and I said, you lose. <laughs> this is me. This is your pastor's chemistry. I wish I was better. I wish I was more holy. But I don't know how to quit. I just don't know how to quit. Uh, I, can, I can tell you this, and this is uh, on a more spiritual level. About 30 years ago, I almost died. Went through some very difficult cardiovascular challenges as a young man. Think about it, 30 years ago, I was seven. <laughs> Ish. Give or take a couple of decades. Young man in my, about 30 years old, way too young, really struggling with cardiovascular challenges. Could barely walk, barely talk. My wife had to do all the chores. I was emaciated. I just, I just couldn't hardly do anything whenever I was driving. Uh, I, would, I would not drive at the time. She would always have to drive. She would have to do the, uh, the smallest of chores for me at the time. Very challenging. One of the worst periods of, of, of our life. And during a six-month period, not only did I not get better, I got worse. It was very difficult. Just, but I would not relinquish the promises of God. I would not. You heard we talked I believe in healing. I didn't get it off the Internet, folks. I, I've lived this thing out. God is good. And thank God we have so many doctors and nurses in the house. Thank God for them. But they'll tell you they're doing the best they can, but there's only a certain amount they can do. And that's where God takes over. And I do want you to know, very difficult. And, and it just, I just would not relinquish the promises of God. And I remember we were back in Knoxville at the time. Uh, we had World Changers Bible Institute. I went on campus. It was early in the morning. I dragged myself to there. I was just giving God praise, and I just, and I just was, oh, and I just thank you, Lord. Just, I just, in spite of all the challenges and all the difficulties, I was just thanking him for how good he is, thanking him for my healing. And not with these ears, but in here, very clearly in my heart, I heard him speak to me very clearly, not with the paddles on the, on the side of my ear, but in my spirit. And he said this to me as I began to worship him and lift my voice as much as I could, barely above a whisper at the time. And I lift my hand, and I heard him say in my spirit, well, well, if it isn't my son who won't quit. You don't know what that did for me at the time. Man, it just put air in my lungs. It put a little bit of fight in my spirit. And ever since I've had that label from him, well, well, if it isn't my son that won't quit. Let me give you Bible verses 
These are our key because we've all seen quitters before, have we not? And, and by the way, if you've never seen a quitter, how, how many sitting next to a quitter right now? You don't want to. You don't want to raise your. You, you don't want to raise your hand. If you've never seen a quitter before in your life, you, you, you listen. You need, before we talk about not quitting, you need to see what a quitter looks like. Check it out. Tom, what's going on? I heard you across the street. You know this truck inside and out. Now, what would you do if your daughter quit on your family? I mean, completely disrespected all your family values. I'd tell her to get out. Exactly. Jody comes home today. She says, Dad, I quit this family. Go ahead, just cancel my allowance now. Rent out my room. Take all my clothes and just chuck them out the window. Why don't you take my stereo, my laptop, my phone, my TV, give them away. Take all my jewelry, give it to charity. Take my brand new car and sell it. Grab my house key so I can never come back again. Go ahead, disown me and never speak to me again. As a matter of fact, write me out of your will and give all my shares to my brother. We're talking about sweet little Jody here. Jody. I remember when y'all brought her home from the hospital. There's no way she would say anything like that. That's what I heard. Well, what exactly did you hear? She said, Dad, this is my new boyfriend. He's an Michigan fan. Bring it in, man. Pray for me. Yes, sir. That, my friends, is what a quitter looks like. How many now know where I'm from? Yeah, that's a quitter. Let's look at our key verses very quickly before we lose all of our Michigan fans. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 58 and Galatians 6, 9. Some powerful thoughts. I love these verses. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. Everybody say unmovable. Now, those of you that are new, many times I'll get into the Greek language. The New Testament was originally written in Koine Greek. I'm not doing it to impress you. I am doing it to bless you because sometimes it brings out a story that the English does not. That word unmovable in the Greek language is a tri-pound Greek word. It is a-meta-kinotis. And kinotis literally is where we get our word kinesiology from. You know what kinesiology is. It's the study of movement. So when you put those three Greek words together, it is literally no change in movement. And I love this. God does not want us to change in movement. He wants us to be unstoppable. Come on, say unstoppable. And here, that particular Greek word unmovable does not mean that we're in one place. It means we are moving forward in the kingdom of God. Let me prove that to you. Always Abounding, here's our moving forward. That word abounding is a Greek word, placeo. And it's where, from John 10, 10, where Jesus said, I've come to give you life in it more abundantly. That's the same Greek word, placeo. And it means a super quality and super quantity of abundance. So he wants us to abound, be always abounding in what? The work of the Lord. 
In other words, making a difference for him. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain, it's not empty, you're making a difference in the Lord. And I want you to know this is in everyday language being someone who is unstoppable. My goal here in this particular one-time session is to put a little bit of courage back in you, to put some fight back in your spirit. Me and Rob, we like this kind of preaching. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I, if you're going to just have to bear with me. Nora, I'm a teacher, but I may get a little bit preachy today because I love the subject matter. And, and, and listen to me, even though I don't know how to quit, if you'll amen me, I'll stop early. I won't quit, but I'll stop early. Look at our other verse in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not be weary. Everybody say weary. This word weary in the Greek language means to give up, to quit, to faint. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, everybody say season. That is our Greek word kairos. We named our coffee house after that. And it means divine opportunity. Let us not be weary in well-doing. Why? Because in due season, in due kairos, in God's divine opportunity, his divine timing, what will happen, we will reap if. Ever see if? I love this little word in the Bible because every time you see the word if, whatever comes after the word if, will only happen in your life if you do what comes before that word. It's a tiny little word, but it makes a very big difference. If, everybody say if. If we faint not. That word faint is ekluo, and it means to be exhausted, get tired, dissolve, to just quit. Come on, everybody say, I want to be unstoppable. In everyday language, God is telling you and I that his divine opportunity, his divine moment, his monumental moment in your life will happen if you don't quit. And in this culture, I get it, I get it. We've just gone through two challenging years in this country, around this globe. I get it. And I, I, I know you can look at the darkness and you can see the culture and what's happening in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20 where the Bible says that there'll come an age in which the uh, people will rise up and call the good evil and evil good. And I realize you, you can look at all that and become frustrated and think, oh, I, I'm just going to quit. No, 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 listen to me very closely. Be unstoppable. No matter what's going on in this culture, be unstoppable. Let me break it down as I always do. Let me give you seven quintessentials on not quitting. You've heard most of these. We'll go through these quickly. But these are life points. These are PowerPoints that will really put some fight in your spirit. Number one, check it out. Champions are not people who never fail. Champions are people who won't quit. We've all failed before, but just because you failed does not mean you're a failure. Failing is an action. Failure is an attitude. Second thing that you need to know is victory is simply getting up one more time than you've fallen. I love that. Don't be like the little old lady that's fallen and can't get up. Proverbs 24 and verse 16, the Bible says that the righteous man has fallen but gets up seven times. Would you look to your neighbor on the right and say, get up? Now, would you look to your second choice on the left and say, get on up? It's so fun how only half of you will do what I say. Look at number three. Check it out. Tenacity is a necessity to fulfill your destiny. It is imperative that you have a tenacity about you to fulfill your destiny. Now, you already know what four is. 
By the way, by the way, the guy that's working the AV booth right now, he is an Ishigan fan. And now he's trying to exact his revenge upon me as we speak. He'll probably quit. Hell is becoming discouraged at your progress. I love that. Hell is becoming discouraged at your progress. Look, 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 look at number five. People can't discourage you unless you value what they say about you more than what God says about you. Well, Pastor, they said this about me online. Well, what a badge of honor. What does God say about you? Well, how about Ephesians 1.3? He says you're blessed. Ephesians 1.4, the Bible says he's called you holy and blameless at his sight. Ephesians 1.5, you're predestinated to be a child of God. Ephesians 1.6, you're accepted and beloved. Ephesians 1.7, you've been redeemed by the blood. That's just a few versions in Ephesians, a few verses in Ephesians that tell you what God has to say about you. Value that. Don't quit. Look at number six. Check it out. You can discourage your enemy. Everybody say can. You can discourage your enemy. He can't discourage you unless you let him. Now, you may not understand that about the enemy. You're giving the devil way too much credit. Well, the devil, he, he's been after me all week long. Well, you've got that whole thing completely just backwards. We need to start discouraging him and stop letting him discourage you. Seventh thing that we need to know is your enemy can't win until you quit. Just be like us. Oh, well, well, if it isn't my son that won't quit. You can be that too. You can be his son, his daughter in the same vein. Be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, not weary in well-doing, because we'll reap in due kairos if we won't quit. Come on, say, be unstoppable. Now that we've given you seven quintessentials about not quitting, let me give you six understandings about being unstoppable. Now I'm going to talk to you a little bit deeper now to help you become unstoppable as a believer, help stiffen your spiritual backbone so that no matter what happens, and listen to me very closely, no matter what happens on this earth, no matter how dark it gets, and I do believe that the Bible is very clear as we get closer and closer to the return of the Lord, the darkness is going to grow darker, but the light will grow brighter, and there'll be this tremendous dichotomy at the same time. I do believe that the persecution level will be ratcheted up on believers in America, but the good news is, is we are unstoppable. Come on. Look at number one, check it out. You will only become unstoppable when you know your assignment. Proverbs 29 and verse 18, the Bible says, without a vision, my people perish. Therefore, with a vision, I can take that and turn it around, we won't perish. We'll be unstoppable. We've got to have a vision. We've got to have something that God has called us to do. It's got to be, your vision has got to be more than simply uh, go to get up, go to work, come back, get on Facebook, get on Instagram, stay up all night, play Call of Duty, and then go to bed and we start it all over again. Got, you got to have a vision. Ever say, I got to have a vision. In the old covenant, one of the greatest guys that had a vision was Joseph. 
just a tremendous man of God. You know, he had a very strong vision, and it carried him through so much, carried him through his brothers betraying him, carried him through a jail sentence of a long time. And it wasn't like he was it was Mayberry RFD when Otis was in the next cell. I mean, it was a rough place to be. And one of the greatest verses about Joseph that'll make you unstoppable is found in Genesis 39 and verse 9. I want to put it up there. Let me give you the context. This is a Bible verse I quote almost every single day. I love it. Because here's the context of Potiphar's wife tempting Joseph. She was an older woman. This is the first case of biblical cougarism. That's <laughs> where it all came. And you, you look at it and you think it was a one-time temptation, but if you look at it, it was about a year-long worth of temptation. And I love, here's Potiphar's wife tempting Joseph, and here's his response, powerful. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me. And this is Potiphar. But you, and he's talking to Potiphar's wife. In other words, in everyday language, he's saying, man, in essence, God's been so good to me. Uh, God's been good. I, I was in a ditch. I was left for dead. But God's been good to me. And now here's his response. Because you're his, you are his wife. How then? Ever say how then? And I love this. Joseph is a how then Christian or a how then believer. And I want everybody in the house, if you want to be unstoppable, you need to be a how then believer. What, what do you mean? What do you mean, Pastor? How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against Potiphar? No, it doesn't say that. I said that for a reason so that you would think about it. It's higher than that. Not Potiphar, but God. Now, now what, what am I saying? What, 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 what am I trying to bring out here? And this is really important. I, I quote this almost every day. And my wife and I, we've been married 32 years. Come on, give her a big encouragement. Come on, come on, come on. She deserves it. Listen to me. 32 years I've been faithful to her in every single way, physically, mentally, emotionally, every single way for 32 years. But here, here's the deal. What if I didn't commit adultery on her for 32 years? And I said, well, the reason I don't commit adultery on your baby is because I just don't want to get caught. I would do it, but I'm afraid I'd get caught. Then I might lose my job. Would that be any kind of a relationship? No, 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 no. How about I don't want to commit adultery on you because I love you? Come on. What are you saying, Pastor? I watch too many believers, and they live what I call a consequential Christian life. Their motivation, because they don't do something, is because they don't want to get caught. Or, or, or they won't learn until they mess up, and then the consequences kick in. And, and certainly we ought to turn to God, ask, you know, ask the prodigal son. He messed up, consequences kicked in, he turned around and went to God. That's smart. But how many would like to live a higher level of Christianity than always ending up in a pig pen and then turning around? I, I would. And I want to turn you from a consequential Christian, I, I mess up, all consequences hit, and here we go again, to a Christ-centered Christian, that I am going to not do this because God's been so good to me. I say that all the time. Man, no one in this house is higher than I, and I don't mean that in a private way. I just mean God's made me a pastor of a wonderful church, and he hasn't held back anything. He's just been very good to me. How then, how then can I take advantage of that? How about everybody in the house, rather than always just, we, we, we respond finally because our wife caught us in porn. 
How about we deepen our walk with God so that we go, you know what? I love you so much, I don't want to have anything to do with this. Come on. I love you so much, I don't want to triple check the young girl at the mall. How about you leave, what's a ball, Pastor? What's a ball? Come on, are you with me now? Sounds like I'm hitting home this morning. Oh, my goodness. So let's be, ever say, let's be unstoppable. Second thing that you need to understand is you become unstoppable when you discover the joy that's set before you. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Let me show you the verses from it, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. I could quote it, but I want you to see it. They're powerful. Wherefore, seeing we are all so compassed about, we're so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, these are some of my favorite verses in the Bible. This is talking about the Hebrews 11. This is right after the Hebrews 11 Hall of Fame where we're talking about Samson and Joseph and Abraham and Enoch and Moses and Noah and on and on. All of the heroes of faith, or most of them from the Old Covenant, mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. And that setting is talking about, in the Greek language, it's talking about an Olympic setting in an Olympic track stadium. And the people that are in the stands are all the heroes of the Old Covenant. And they're watching me, and they're watching you, and here's what they're watching. Let us lay aside every weight. Ever say every weight. Now, just so that you know the difference between a weight and a sin, when God is telling you and I to lay aside weights, he's not talking about sin here. He's talking about things that are good, but they're holding us back. How many know, listen, I'm a big, obviously, I'm a big college football fan. I, I, I love fishing. There's nothing wrong with fishing or college football unless it's consuming all of my time, unless I get bummed out when my team loses. Ooh, I got some folks bummed out just from yesterday. <laughs> if it takes you two weeks to come out of a blue funk after your team is lost, you're too engaged. Come on. So weight varies from person to person. My weight may be different than your weight. They're not sins. They're good things, but those things are holding us back from being all that we can be in God and running our race. And look, look, look at the second one. And every weight and the sin. Now, sins are universal. If the Bible says something is a sin, then it doesn't matter what the culture says. It only matters what God says. And notice that God won't do it for us. He told you and I, it's up to us to lay it aside. He's not going to just take it from you. Oh, God, take that. I don't want to smoke no more. Take the cigarettes from me. God doesn't smoke. <laughs> Hallelujah, praise the Lord. <laughs> let us, let us, let us. And this is not God making a salad. <laughs> let us. Let us. Not God, let us, let us. He'll help us, but we have to make the decision. Then comes the provision. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience. The Greek word hubomene. I love this word. It means I'm in one spot and I'm not moving. I am not giving up. I'm unstoppable. I'm not quitting. Let us run with patience. The de race, the race, that's your destiny that's set before us. And here's where we're supposed to keep our, here's the finish line, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, the author and developer of our faith, who, here we go, for the joy, ever say for the joy, 
For the joy that was set before him endured, our Greek friend Hupomene again. And it means, again, I'm unstoppable. I'm in one spot. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, the most difficult day ever, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured, again, Hupomene. I'm unstoppable. I won't quit. Endured such contradiction of sinners against him, lest you become wearied and faint, ekluo, get tired, exhausted in your mind. Listen to me very closely. Let me give you a life point that will help you tremendously. And here it is. Pictures of joy release the power of endurance. If you want to be unstoppable, you've got to have pictures of joy, just like Jesus did. I'm not talking about some mental mumbo-jumbo, but Jesus... Here was his picture of joy as he hung on the cross. Anthony, you, Cassie, you, you, you. He saw your beautiful face. He hung there on the cross for you. The joy that was set before him is, I am going to redeem mankind. I'm going to have the family that I always wanted. I'm going to die for their sins. That's the joy that's set before me. That was Jesus' vision that got him through. He was fully God, but as a man, he hung on the cross because you can't kill God. As fully God, but yet as a fully man as well, he endured, Hupomene, the cross, for the joy that was set before him. I talked to you earlier about what I went through all those years back when I could barely walk and barely talk, most difficult time in my life. And during that time, I have no pictures of that whatsoever, and that was my doing. Uh, there, there was an 18-month period. It was extremely difficult. And people, you know, uh, it was just my wife and I at the time, and people wanted to take pictures of us. I would never let anybody take a picture. I said, nope, nope, not, not now. Take, we're going to wait. Why, why, Pastor? Listen to me. Because I knew what I was going through was not where I was supposed to stay. It was a speed bump, not a parking lot. The Bible tells you in Psalms 23, the Bible says in Psalms 23, 1 and 2, and I love this, that God wants his sheep by green pastures and still waters. That, that's where he wants us to lie down by green pastures. And so if your life is tumultuous, don't lie down. That's not where you're supposed to stay. Now, I'm not telling you you're never going to have challenges, but I'm telling you you're not supposed to stay habitually in tumultuous times. Don't unpack. If you're in a fire, don't drop, stop, and roll. Now, that's good advice in an actual fire, but if you're in a spiritual fire, keep on walking. Get out. If you're in a storm right now, keep on driving. May not be able to see, but you'll walk through that storm eventually, and it'll be in your rearview mirror eventually if you'll keep on driving, if you'll be unstoppable, if you'll be unmovable. Helping anybody. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let anybody take pictures of me. I wouldn't, because I didn't this no, this is not this is not who I am. It's not where I'm staying. This is not what God's called me to. Nope. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Plus I'm ugly. You don't want to break your camera. So what did you do? Here's what I did. I took pictures of me for older ones when I was healthy and happy. And I put them right by my alarm clock so that when, every time when I woke up in the morning, that's the first thing I'd look at. Why? I had somewhere to go. Uh, I wasn't supposed to stay. I, I was determined. I, I knew if I died that my wife would marry someone young and handsome. 
So I was determined to live out of pure spite. But baby, you're stuck with me. You're, you're stuck with old and ugly, baby. You're stuck with me. I will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord simply out of spite. It's always been her dream to be married to a young and handsome man. But because she's married to me, I had to live. Now, I'm not talking about some mental momo jobo. This would have no power if it was just mental. But pictures of joy in just release the power of endurance in our life. When, when, when we'd be driving and she'd drive and I'd be on the passenger seat, if we were driving by some guy that was jogging, I couldn't, I couldn't even speak above a whisper. I'd say, honey, see that guy jogging? That's going to be me. I'd just stare at the dude. I, you could tell the dude thought I was, dudes thought I was creepy. Like, what is that guy? Because I had somewhere to go. I, I, I knew God had all of this. I knew God had all this. And you, and you, you can't be dead and do all of this. You guys deserve better than a dead pastor. Could I have an amen? <laughs> That's good preaching. Thank you. Some, some of you are going, eh, eh, eh. Look at number three. Check it out. You become unstoppable when you submit yourself to God. What do you mean? I'm going to give you two verses. I could quote them, but I'm going to give you some powerful revelation. They're verses you've seen. But I'm going to help you and give you some powerful revelation here. Look at these verses. You know them. The thief comes not. This is Jesus speaking about the devil. The thief comes not but to steal. Ever say steal. steal. This is a Greek word kleptos. We get a word kleptomaniac from it. You know what a kleptomaniac is. They just can't. They just steal. That's all they do. They're from Pittsburgh. They're stealers. <laughs> oh, come on. It's, we're having a good time, the football fans. Steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I'm come, that they might have life, and they, they might have it more abundantly. I quoted that's placeo in me. Oh, super abundance in quality and quantity. Look at James 4, 7. Submit yourself. Hubotasso, arrange yourself underneath. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. Say resist. The word resist is a Greek word, antihistamine. We get a word antihistamine from it. And it doesn't mean a little, uh, I'm going to resist it over for a minute and a half. It's a covenant to resist. I am standing right here. I will not be moved. I am unstoppable. Not, and Jesus name, I resist you, I think, for a minute and a half. Maybe. Oh, golly. It is, I am right here. I am submitted to God. How do you submit to God? You submit to his word. I'm submitted to God, and from that position of submission, I am now resisting the devil, and he will. Ever say, he will. He will. Come on, say, will. will. Notice, you can change the devil's mind. He wills, at first in John 10, 10, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But now, because you're unstoppable, you've changed his mind. Now he wills to flee. The Greek word, fuego. And it means to run in stark terror. Oh, church, if you only knew how afraid the devil was of you. But here's what he's afraid of. Not of you physically. He could take you physically easily. But he is afraid that you will learn your God-given authority. And once you do, that's the last time he chases you. Fuego! Submit yourself to God, and he will flee from you. 
Look at the life when it brings it all together. You can change the devil's will. He can't change yours unless you let him. Man, that ought to put titanium in your, in your spiritual spine. Or that whatever the stuff Wolverine has. <laughs> is, is anybody out there? Come on, that, that's good, that's good. Look, 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 look at number four, check it out. You become unstoppable when you develop the spirit of a finisher. I love these verses in John 19 and verse 30. You know it. It's one of seven things that Jesus said on the cross. He said, it is finished. Ever say finished. That, that, that whole phrase in English, it is finished, is one simple Greek word, teleo. And it means it's done. The debt has been paid. It's over. I'm, I'm finished. Jesus became the final sacrifice of the old covenant. He, became, he, he fulfilled the law as he come, came to do in Matthew 5 and verse 17. It is finished. Taleo, it's done. The debt's been paid. Jesus was a finisher. Even on the most difficult day of anybody's life ever, he was a finisher. Paul understood that as well in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and, or 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, where he said, I fight the good fight of faith and I finish the course. Ever say, I fight the good fight. That word good is a Greek word kalos, and it means honorable. That word fight is agonizomai. We get a word agony from it. This is not some little lightweight fight. This is a 15-rounder, folks. And it's not going to be a picnic. It's going to be a 15-rounder. But if you won't quit at the end of the fight, Romans 8, 37, you'll be more than a conqueror. Me and Hunter, we love this kind of preaching. This is good preaching. Now listen, you may not like it, but I'm going to go home and give myself an offering. <laughs> this is really, really good preaching. Are, are, you, are you out there? Uh, uh, can I be honest with you? I'm always trying to be very transparent. I'm a real good finisher when it comes to life. I won't quit. The one thing I am not good at, I'm trying to get better at, is books. <laughs> I, I, I get easily bored. I'm, I'm talking about Christian books. And, and people give me books all the time, and so I'll start reading them. Ooh, this is interesting. Then it gets boring. It's like, eh. And then someone will give me another book, and I pick that one up and start reading that. Anybody like that? Anybody? I'm the only one. Thank you for a few hours. i got to get better at finishing books. I start them, but I don't finish them. But everything else, I start and finish. <laughs> so if you give me a book, no, I'll read a couple chapters, and I'll get bored. <laughs> is anybody out? Look at the life point. I love the life point. Check it out. In the body of Christ, there are starters. They're everywhere. But finishers are rare. I have a lot of people over the years, pastor, you know, like Peter, you know, I'm, I'm with you. All the, no matter what, dude, Peter, you know, Jesus, I'm with you all the way, no matter what. And, you know, and, no, just me and you, Jesus, if nobody else follows you, I'll follow you. How many have heard a lot of people er, 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 before? Over the years... Paul and Lisa, I, I mean, I'm telling you, I've heard people say, now, Pastor, I'm, listen, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you forever. I'm, you count on me forever. Just count on me. I'm with you forever. And I smile because I'm a sweet pastor. And I say, how many can see the halo? He can. He's in the second row. I'm a sweet pastor. I, I, I'll smile. But on the inside, I'll think, okay, let's see. But when the rights tell me, hey, Pastor, man, well, I, I'm a finisher. I, well, it, she says all the time, she writes this note and says, we're fiercely loyal to you guys. Fierce, I love that. Fiercely loyal. 
fear. I like, I like. She said, when they say they're going to be around, I believe them. Come on, come on. That's Mr. and Mrs. Wright. I, I want Mr. and Mrs. Wright with me as long as possible. I don't want Mr. and Mrs. wrong. You know, when Anthony and Leanne say they've been here since, you know, the first couple weeks of church, man, when they say it, I believe it. He, he's, been, he's been my pastoral tenant for 18 years. Come on, 18 years. Pastor Dave and Paula, they've been with me for 32, 33 years. They're finishers. No, please don't mistake me. I'm not saying you're stuck for life, but I am saying have a bit. Your loyalty can't just be going all the way through lunch. Look, I made it through lunch, and I'm not going to pay, but I made it through lunch. <laughs> Come on, we live, in a, we live in a culture. Have you heard of the thing now that the Gen Zs and the millennials are doing that's called quietly quitting? <laughs> quietly quitting is when they'll still keep their job, but they'll do the minimum amount that's required of them, and they're keeping their job because they want the money, but they're quietly quitting. They're not putting in full effort. Oh, my goodness, folks. Oh, my goodness. Someone read the Bible. The Bible says, Proverbs 21, 5, the plans of the diligent maketh rich. Proverbs 10, 4, the hands of the diligent maketh rich. The Bible says that the lazy man, Proverbs 12, 24, will always be ruled over, but the diligent will be in authority. You quietly quitters that are just putting in the minimum, you'll never be in authority. You'll, you, you'll always be working for somebody else. You, you people have quietly quit on me today. Next thing that we need to know if we're going to be unstoppable, number five, you become unstoppable when you learn to put total confidence in God's wonderful word. I gave my son this scripture just the other day, Hebrews 10, 35, cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great payback of reward. Cast not away, that word cast not away means to throw away like trash. I watch a lot of people, I watch a lot of people right now in this culture walking away from the Bible. And they're throwing it away like trash because of the deconstructionists and memes online of people that don't even know what they're talking about. But yet they heard it somewhere and they put it on TikTok or their Instagram and they get a gazillion views and, and people just pass it around. And everybody said, well, it's on, it's on the interweb, so it must be true. Could somebody in, in, in check something every once in a while to see if it has any substance? That's why I'm so glad we're having our apologetics class right now. Over 300 enrolled in that class alone. That's why we're so blessed. We had all kinds of pastors come in from Hawaii and from North Carolina and from Wisconsin and California and Texas and all over the place. And they saw this whole campus, those over there, they were just so, they were so, they were like, wow, God is so good to you. You're so blessed. It, our, our student body enrollment in most cases had more than was in their churches. We need to be grateful for what God is doing. But we're having that class really for one reason alone, so that you will not be deconstructed, that you'll not get off the Word of God, that you know you can put your confidence in the Bible. It is inspired by God Almighty. You say, well, there's contradictions in the Bible. There are no contradictions in the original. Please show me one because I would be glad to help you understand that the Bible can be relied on, lived upon, believed, put your confidence in the Word of God. Don't cast it away. And here's the key, guys. 
told you I was going to get a little, little preachy. You, you folks that are here for the very first time, we're honored to have you. I, I love to tell you that I, I, I'm normally this dull, uh, passionless guy up here speaking, but I'm not. I'm very passionate about the Lord. I'm very excited about His Word. I really want to make a difference, so you'll just have to excuse me. I've seen you at the Titans game, and I've seen you pull up your shirt and show everybody your blue belly, and you get all excited about Bubba. Let me get excited about the guy that created Bubba. Plus, we never need to see your belly ever. You look like Buddha. Stop it. Thank you for enjoying that, Tyler. I appreciate that. Is anybody out there? Put your confidence in the right thing. Don't put your confidence in man. Don't put your confidence in systems. Don't put your confidence in politics. Again, vote, do the right thing, vote the Bible. We talked about that on Wednesday. Of course, of course, of course. Get engaged, of course, of course. But don't put your confidence in anything but God. I thank God for our vice mayor. He's a man of God. But we put our confidence in God. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Put it in the Word of God. This life point will make sense. It'll bring into play everything I'm saying. The Word of God. Read it carefully. Meditate it daily. Study it seriously. Believe it wholeheartedly. Apply it personally. Obey it consistently. Obey it consistently. Obey it consistently. Obey it consistently and share it confidently. Keep it up there. I want to say it one more time. Read it carefully. Meditate it daily. Study it seriously. Believe it wholeheartedly. Apply it personally. Obey it consistently. Share it confidently. I work hard at these life points. That's great wisdom for everybody in the house. Don't cast away your confidence. Put it in the Word of God. If you want to be unstoppable, and then lastly, number six, check it out. You become unstoppable when you become extremely grateful. What do I mean by that? Well, you remember King David, one of my favorite stories. I'm not going to recount it. Everybody knows David and Goliath. But what you may not know from 1 Samuel chapter 17, 34 through 37, before David ever encountered Goliath, he was in the sheepfold. And he took out the lion, and he took out the bear when nobody saw. We could have just as easily ran. And now here he's standing before the giant of all giants, very intimidating, nine foot plus. But yet he's got something to fall back on. He has something to be thankful about. Oh, Father, I just thank you. I killed the lion. I killed the bear. You strengthened me to do that. The bigger he is, the harder he's going to fall. If you want to be unstoppable, it's really important that you be extremely grateful. If something is standing before you right now that's threatening to stop you or discouraging you, I need you to go back. I need you to stir yourself up. Stir up past victories because they'll stir you up into future triumphs. Go back, and I remember when, and I remember when, and God was faithful, and God was good, and he did that, and he delivered me out of. And go back and remember, and I don't care how big the giant is that's standing before you right now, if you want to be unstoppable, you got to go back and be extremely grateful. Look at, look, look at the life point. It's so powerful. There is a dead lion in your past that you need to be thankful for. Remind yourself through thanksgiving, and you will kill the giant that's in front of you. Come on. And I'm going to close with a story. Everybody stay right where you are because this story is going to take an hour and 15 minutes. 
I told you earlier about my fishing endeavors, and I talked to you about how I like to fish at the ocean, and I like to fish for shark, and you know, I don't like catching the big giant stingrays, but I do like catching the big giant shark. And I remember a few years back, it was 8.30 at night, it was dusk. Beautiful sun was setting, I just, it was just, just lovely time. And all of a sudden, my rod goes off. And you could tell by how it went off, it was a big, good, giant fish. And as I tied into it, I could tell, oh man, this is maybe the biggest one I've ever had. 8.30 at night, I got it on. And, and, and because people are interested, they're walking the beach at dusk, and they're thinking, okay, I'd like to see someone catch a big fish. And so the, I, I gathered right away a crowd of about 50 or 60. I considered evangelizing, but I had a big fish horn. <laughs> so a big crowd, and, and, you know, I, and, and it just kept going and going. It would come in and fool me, like, okay, it's, it's done, it's finished. But then it would turn around because it would see the shallow shore, and it would it it go right back out. And over and over, come in and give me a false sense of confidence, and then go right back out. It took me six hours. And if you know anything about shark fishing, you don't get a break. I, I don't know. There's people go, Pastor, you want me to take over? You want me to help? No. <laughs> you just went in on this thing that I did all the work? No. <laughs> I literally have people go, you want me? And I don't know how to do that. I wish I did. I wish it, no. And it's you're just a constant workout. Just your arms are burning, your lats are burning. It's just a constant workout when you're fighting something that's over 300 pounds. Finally, I had it on at 8:30. I got it in at 2:30 in the morning. Six hours later, the only people that were left with me are, was my beautiful wife and my handsome son. Now I know who will be at my funeral. And if she's too happy, she killed me. <laughs> Just keep an eye on her. Would you do that? Just keep an eye on her. Six hours. Uh, my wife brought me down water. She brought me down food because I was losing so many calories. But I just don't know how to quit. Finally got it in. It was over eight feet long and over 300 pounds right off the shore. It was so awesome. I was like, yes, John Davis. I was just so excited about it. Because I refuse to quit. Would you take that? I want to stiffen your backbone today. Would you receive that word spiritually? If you're here and you're discouraged, if you're here and you're contemplating quitting, you're here and you're about to give up on whatever, your marriage, your situation, your life, whatever, I'm going to tell you right now, it is going to be a necessity for you to have tenacity to fulfill your destiny. But if you won't quit, your enemy will become discouraged. And I believe with all of my heart, your kairos, your divine opportunity is on the way. Be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Don't let your labor in the Lord be the first thing to go when you get under pressure. I watch that happen. I see if the, if the enemy can do that. Well, you know, I, just, I can't take it anymore. I got to quit this. I'm going to quit Usher. I'm going to quit working with the kids. I'm going to quit. You keep everything going. But the, but the God thing, that's such a mistake because you, you now have told the enemy, anytime you begin to advance in the kingdom of God, all he has to do is put pressure on you and you'll quit the God thing. What you just told him was keep pressuring me every single time because I know we'll take this guy out. Galatians 6, 9, don't become 
weary in well-doing because you'll reap in due season if you won't quit.